Before we get started today, I just want to say that as a thank you for all your support during Season 1, I will be hosting a live Ask Me Anything session on Instagram this Saturday, April 4th at 7pm Pacific Standard Time. If you want to be a part of that, then please submit your questions ahead of time on Twitter or Instagram at Trevor underscore VW. Hope to see you all there. And now, on with the season finale. Good morning, everyone. This is Trevor Van Winkle, and you're listening to Homestead on the Corner. Well, uh, the opening to Lesson 10 certainly aged very poorly very quickly. To be fair, I don't think anyone really anticipated how this year would play out when it got started. Quick show of hands for anyone who thought 2020 would turn out this way? Anybody? In all seriousness, though, do everything that you possibly can to keep yourself and your community safe and healthy in this time. Work from home if you can, maintain social distancing, Help others where you can, especially small business owners and those at high risk from the disease. Limit your contact with others, cover your mouth with your elbow when you sneeze or cough, and wash your hands frequently for at least 20 seconds with warm water and soap. I know you've all heard this a million times, but this virus is completely new, and we as a species have no defense against it. No vaccine, no natural immunity, and no cure. Our only chance is to specifically engineer our behavior to keep it from spreading. Now, I imagine for most of us, the order to self-isolate hasn't been too difficult. Writers tend to be a solitary lot, and we can be quite happy to spend time inside with our imaginations. I know that's definitely not true of all writers, and even those of us who might be called antisocial at the best of times tend to get a little stir-crazy, especially if we're isolating with our families, and they just won't stop bothering us. You really shouldn't get so stressed about it. After all, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a- <clears throat> Sorry. I've been spending the last few weeks working on scripts for our new horror series, The Sheridan Tapes, so I kind of have spooks on the brain. Back to the point at hand, though. I think that a lot of writers, myself chief among them, fall for the myth of time in situations like this. We think that if we only had time to write, then all the distractions and obstacles would finally fall away, and we'd effortlessly write that book or screenplay or series we've always dreamed of writing. One of the hardest learning experiences any writer can go through, I think, is one that dispels that myth. A period of time that takes away everything you imagined as an obstacle and then waves your aspirational project in front of your face, taunting you with your inability to stop procrastinating. I've had more than a few of those, the most recent being a writing trip to the Oregon coast where I was supposed to finish my latest book. Instead, I spent all my time writing The Stars Eternal and a script for a Halloween special that never ended up happening, as well as watching way too much Star Trek. Now, maybe it was a kinder, gentler experience than most people get on that section of the learning curve, but it was still so aggravating. Every night, I would beat myself up over the fact that I didn't even touch the manuscript I'd specifically come here to work on. I'm sure many of us are going through the same thing right now, 
banging our heads against the wall and wondering why we didn't get as much done between sunrise and sundown as we wanted to. Did we really spend that many hours watching Netflix? Why can't we just focus and get it done? In this final lesson of Homestead on the Corner Season 1, as we all stare down at least another few months of social isolation and uncertainty, I'm here to tell you what I wish I'd known, offer encouragement, and give you strategies to do what I always ask you to do at the end of each episode. Keep writing. How long can you write without a plan? How long could you, with no structure for your story or the way you write it, keep putting one word after another? When would your inspiration start to run dry, or how quickly would life get in the way of just writing when you're inspired? I'm not trying to dismiss the value of that kind of free writing. It's incredibly liberating and often unlocks greater creativity and daring than a more structured and systematic approach. But it does have its limits, and one of the biggest is its lack of sustainability. Allow me to illustrate with a little thought experiment. Let's say you're standing in the middle of a vast, open field where you can't see anything beyond the horizon. Now the field is covered in tall grass, so you can't see quite where you're going either, no matter which way you turn. You could start walking in any direction, wander however long you wanted, and just see what you find. You might decide to go left, and eventually you do find something interesting. But it was only by chance. You just as easily might have chosen to go right and found nothing, or fallen off the edge of a sudden cliff. It's nothing but dumb luck either way, and psychologically, most people probably won't go very far from somewhere they know is safe if the alternative is an unknown. What if, instead, you could see a small peak in the distance? You aim towards it, knowing that it's somewhere you want to go. You cut a straight path towards it, using the landmark as a beacon, even if you hit obstacles, you can go around them and then keep moving towards your goal. Odds are, you will walk for longer and over more difficult terrain than you would have while wandering blind, and your commitment to reaching an end goal would be greater than it would be if your goal was simply exploring at random. Now let's run through this thought experiment once more, and this time put a trail through the grass to that mountain. With firm ground underfoot and a planned, knowable route to follow, you can hike for days towards a mountain even further in the distance. You'll move quicker, but also slow down at points where the trail builders brought the grade up above the grass, so you can take in the view. You'll avoid obstacles you might have fallen into while wandering blindly, and when you arrive at your destination, the journey will have been smoother, more direct, and more fulfilling than just fumbling through an open field could have been. Most writing, especially the long-form projects most of us are looking at right now, is not a sprint, but a marathon. Writing, editing, and reworking narratives is a long and often frustrating process that involves long hours and lots of questions that don't have definitive answers. It's mentally and emotionally draining most days, and so the three most important things in writing sustainably are planning, practice, and pacing. Planning means making sure you know what you're writing, when you're writing it, and most importantly, why you're writing it. There is so much ambiguity when you sit down in front of a blank page that it can be totally immobilizing. Knowing what this thing you're trying to bring into the world really is can be a huge first step, limiting the scope of possibility from infinite to a few hundred million. 
This is where the premise and the central idea of your story become hugely important. The next step you should take is to decide when you're going to work on your magnum opus. And no, whenever I feel inspired, or morning, noon, and night, are not good answers. They represent opposite problems with your work plan. In the first case, you'll never feel inspired consistently enough to finish your narrative. And in the second, you'll burn yourself out within the first week. Finding a time when you can consistently write at least four or five days a week is a great place to start. Even if you just sit down and draw a blank for a few of those days, you're putting the time in. You're making writing a habit and signaling to your brain that this is when we're creative. In time, the rebellious, creative parts of your brain will start to get with the program, and you'll find that the muse likes consistency just as much as you do. If you want, you can then try adding extra time or days to your writing schedule, but I'd caution you against trying to write seven days a week. If you wouldn't want your employer to call you on Sundays and take you away from your family, then don't do it to yourself. Now, when I talk about practice, there are two sides, and I think they're both equally important. The first is the obvious meaning of the phrase, writing frequently and getting better at it through repetition. As in athletic training, consistent engagement and a gradual increase in workload grows your endurance, practical skill, and overall ability. One of the best things I did when I first started writing was a practice called Morning Pages. I first heard about this from Julia Cameron's The Right to Write, a great little book of encouragement and teachings for writers just getting started. In her words, Morning Pages are three pages of daily, longhand writing. They are about anything and everything that crosses your mind. They may be petty, whiny, boring, or angry. They may be cheerful, illuminating, insightful, and introspective. There is no wrong way to do them. It's easy to see why this practice is so helpful, especially if you're just getting started. It teaches you to translate your thought patterns onto the written page. It familiarizes you with the pattern of prose, which is hugely helpful in making the leap from imagining your stories to actually writing them. And most importantly, it brings you to the page first thing in the morning. It's like early morning drills for endurance runners. Even in the off-season, they keep you sharp and in the habit. Now, the second meaning of practice could be more accurately described as rehearsal, similar to practice for a theatrical production rather than an athletic competition. In live theater, scenes are run over and over again with the actors, director, and technical crew long before opening night. It isn't just about helping everyone remember their lines and their cues, though that is a big part of it. It's about finding moments that are powerful and memorable if performed a certain way, or discovering emotional through lines and making character arcs apparent so the performances can carry the plot. Sometimes it's even about finding the play itself, when the appeal or substance of the story isn't apparent from the words on the page, or the director has a different vision for this production. In the singular act of writing, I believe we rehearse our stories as well. We mostly do it in our own heads when we're not writing imagining the characters moving and speaking and trying to figure out how they'd act in certain situations. Each draft prior to publication could even be described as a dress rehearsal. Still rough and missing big elements, but a necessary step before the show is ready for the big time. There is a shortcut you can take, though, and one I'd recommend doing if you're struggling with where to go next in your story. A beat board. A series of note cards with each of your major story beats written out and put up on the wall. This is a trick I picked up in film school, and while screenwriters use it a lot, most narrative writers don't like it. However, I like to think of it as just externalizing the rehearsal process already going on inside your head. 
and polishing the storyline before it ends up concealed behind dense prose. It's easier to see where the weak points are if you have to lay out a series of scenes and discover huge gaps in logic between them. An added benefit is that by putting them on note cards rather than in a linear outline, you feel freer to shuffle, reorder, reinvent, and reimagine your story than when it's A, put down in a linear format, or B, tenuously held in your memory or across scattered pages of notebook paper. Whether you use 3x5 cards, post-it notes, scrap paper, or a digital note card program, formalizing your mental rehearsals will make your narrative stronger, free you up to find new solutions, and make the blank page a little less terrifying. And finally, how you pace yourself is one of the strongest determinants of whether you'll be able to keep writing in the long term. It's not too far off to say that we're usually the worst boss we could ever have, especially if you're a semi-neurotic type A perfectionist like myself. We disregard the boundaries professional environments put in place to protect employees' time and sanity, and push ourselves to the breaking point because we think we can take it. Once again, writing morning, noon, and night is the exact recipe for burnout, frustration, and disillusionment with writing. From all I've read, most professional, published authors really only write for about four or five hours a day at most. Writing isn't a mindless, mechanical job you can do without putting much thought or effort in, despite what you might think about certain writers. It's sitting down at the keyboard and bleeding, creating your own private universe full of confusing, contradictory characters and trying to corral them towards a central plot. It's emotionally, mentally, and at times physically draining process. Our brains often don't know the difference between real experiences and our own imaginations, and thus it reacts in much the same way. Writing a heartbreaking moment at someone's deathbed, we draw on our own experiences with death, memories we generally try to avoid in everyday life. When writing a humanized villain, we have to dig deep into the parts of ourselves we really don't want to admit are there, and dredge up cruelty, greed, and malice from within our own souls. You can't do that for eight hours a day, five days a week. Most people, myself included, can only do it for about an hour before feeling genuinely ill. This is another place where your story rehearsal comes in handy. You know, generally, when you'll be writing those scenes and can mentally prepare. When writing my most recent novel, the one I didn't work on during my trip, I knew that everything from the midpoint on would be soul-wrenching to write. Thankfully, I was able to write those chapters while on vacation with my family, and thus didn't have to go into work after writing things that still turn my stomach a little when I reread them. All that to say, you should set definitive limits on when and how much you write. With all the pre-planning and rehearsal I do for my novels, I like to write them at the Stephen King pace of 2,000 words a day, which generally takes me about two to three hours or less. Since I'm an early riser, I tend to do my writing before the normal workday begins, finishing breakfast and getting straight to it. Now, sometimes it works, and sometimes I ended up so stressed I had a mini breakdown. It really depends on the project. Now, I know other writers who prefer to write at night, but that's never been my thing, since I really just want to zone out and go to sleep after the sun is down. I've also had some success with mid-afternoon writing breaks, but that's largely because I have my second cup of coffee around that time. What I'm trying to say is, you should find a limited window of time, based on your own ability and writing endurance, to write a certain number of words, whether that's three to four hours on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings, or an hour every day around midnight, find a consistent, regular pace to work on your projects. Habit is one of the most powerful tools of the human mind. 
Just by forcing ourselves to do something regularly and consistently, we can train our minds and bodies to do just about anything, for good or ill. Personally, I don't think there's any better habit you can get into than writing in a planned, practiced, and well-paced manner. But I've talked about many of these practices before. You already know what you need to do to keep writing, and it's mostly just get started. You'll either do it or you won't, and little I can say can sway you one way or the other. So why am I ending this season with this message? Why is the final episode of Homestead on the Corner Season 1 a lesson that, quite possibly, nobody needs? Well, I think you all know why. It starts with S and rhymes with Elf Isolation. All of a sudden, our excuses are gone, and many of us don't know how to function without them. It's a very comfortable place to be, calling yourself a writer while not actually doing any writing. But suddenly, many of us don't have full-time jobs to hide behind. We can't say, oh, I'm a barista, but I really want to be a writer. Well, surprise, you can be one now. Use a pen. Go nuts. The problem, I think, is that most people don't want to be a writer half as much as they want to say they're a writer. And since writing is such an immediate, personal act, it's easy to pretend you're writing when you're really just composing words in your head. It's a first step, sure, and an indication of the incredible creative energy inherent to the human mind, but writing, it is not. I personally really never had any ambitions to become a writer or make this any kind of career. I always thought I wanted to be a filmmaker, and in some ways I still do, because I grew up watching movies almost every night, and thought that was the way to tell stories. I didn't attach much importance to all the writing I did. Um, I enjoyed it, sure, but I never thought I would try to make a professional craft out of it. I don't know quite what possessed me to write the Graceland Tales, but I'm so glad it did. I'm so glad that, for whatever reason, I woke up one day during my final semester of college and decided to write a web serial and then a book, and then self-publish, and then make this podcast. I approached writing fearlessly, perhaps a little too flippantly, but I did it. I made mistakes and learned from them. I kept trying new things, throwing out what didn't work, and testing what did to figure out why. I kept writing. There's a plaque in a garden in Mexico. It sits in the middle of Camino de la Salud, the Walk of Life, in the center of the Sandos Playa Car Vacation Resort. It's carved from a rough-hewn slice of tree stump, pitted with knots and split down the middle with a thin, branching crack. In white letters slightly faded by the relentless sun, it reads, The number one skill in life is not giving up. I believe it's the number one skill in writing, too. Having a hard skull, and being willing to mercilessly kill your fear of others' opinions, and instead speak your truth through story, plot, and character, that is what makes you a writer, more than the number of books you've published, or the scripts you may have optioned. Yes, we have to acknowledge that this is an incredibly difficult time for everyone. Yes, we have to acknowledge the risks of this virus and take all the necessary precautions to keep ourselves and our community safe. No, we should absolutely not be glad this is happening. People are dying, full stop. But while we shelter in place and do our best to help alleviate this crisis, how much of that time do you really want to spend wallowing in fear and self-pity? 
changing circumstances present an opportunity to end up better or worse off than when we started. And, as heartbreaking as it is to look at the news and hear of makeshift morgues and do not resuscitate orders, death is the great clarifier. It reminds us that we all have to face the reaper someday, and maybe far sooner than we think. It reminds us that life is short and horrifyingly uncertain. It shows us how few of the things that surround us really matter, and clears away the junk so we have room to embrace new challenges and new opportunities. And for writers, it fills our hearts with emotions and ideas we need to share the only way we know how. The world needs honesty, clarity, and hope now more than ever. So to all who can hear me, I say this. When it feels like your world is falling apart around you, keep writing. Keep writing. Keep writing. Thank you for listening to Homestead on the Corner. Season 1 was written and produced by Trevor Van Winkle and featured the voices of Lauren Baker, Amitola Lomas, Aaron Neely Chaconis, Jeff Fromey, Leslie Redman, Sam Taylor, Maurice Cooper, Jenna Lynch, Marlene Piper, Alex Brown, Jesse Steele, Michael Dostro, Chris Martin, Susan Dalian, Charles Scatellini, Marcy Murray, Virginia Spots, Bodie Silva, Leslie Ann Hoxie, Juliana Olinka Jones, Allison McDonald-Page, Victoria Ann Farber, and Gus Krieger. Original music was composed by Lauren Baker and Jesse Hagen, with end credit songs from the Bodie 601 Band, I'm a Lion, I'm a Wolf, Britton Ashford, The Longest Johns, and Brother James. Sound effects were provided by freesounds.org and Stainless Films. Our Season 1 patrons were Shirley Casperson, Virginia Spots, Jesse Steele, Susan Dalian, Sierra Classic Theater, and Mammoth Lakes Repertory Theater. Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to join them for Season 2, go to patreon.com slash homesteadcorner and sign up to become a monthly donor. Can't wait for more content? Me neither. Head over to Twitter and Instagram, where you can find me at Trevor underscore VW, and visit homesteadonthecorner.com for extra material, outtakes, and more info about the show. Season 2 of Homestead on the Corner will begin with weekly episodes next Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. Our new show, The Sheridan Tapes, begins on Friday, April 24th, so be sure to keep an eye on this feed for teasers and more info in the coming weeks. Thank you all so much for listening and being a part of this weird little show. Now that's about all for now, so from the homestead on the corner, have a great day, and keep writing. <laughs>